Welcome. Church of the Advent is an Anglican congregation in Denver, Colorado, that seeks to share in the life of God by redefining and reorienting everything around the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope you are challenged, encouraged, and move closer toward the gospel by this week's message. I'm Deacon Cindy Hamilton, and it is always a huge privilege to be at this podium podium to share with you some thoughts the Lord has helped me gather. But before we go there, will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy shown to us and for your presence here among us. Would you, Lord, move among each one and anoint them with hearing of ear and heart to receive what you have prepared for them? In Jesus' name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I have spent a lot of time with Mary this Advent. I haven't spent this much time with Mary since I was living in Peru and I was doing the Ignatian spiritual exercises. So if you're not familiar with them, it's a nine or ten month, sometimes twelve, depending on your spiritual director, commitment to being in various passages for an hour a day throughout that nine-month period. I was living in Peru and doing these exercises with a spiritual director who lives here in Salida. And uh, she was Roman Catholic. And I would Skype with her once a week to process, you know, what was God doing in my life. And I remember this week set aside in Advent for Mary that I was not nearly as excited about Mary as she was. That has changed. The gospel reading this morning was in large part the Magnificat. For that is what Mary's song is called. Magnificat is the first word in Latin of this song. And this song is one of the most famous songs in Christianity. It has been prayed and chanted and sung for generations. In fact, we just sang it this morning. Thank you, worship team. That was beautiful. Johann Sebastian Bach set it to music, and he used trumpets and kettle drums. Now, you know these instruments are big and loud, and I assume his intent was to give us a sense of the greatness of this moment, the magnitude of the announcement, and the joy of the singer. But it seems to me that before we attend to the Magnificat, which is found in the Visitation, getting its name because Mary visited Elizabeth, we must return to the Annunciation when the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin called Mary to announce the coming of our king. Gabriel tells Mary that she'll conceive and have a son who she is to name Jesus, the savior of the world. Now Mary asks, how can this be? Because I am a virgin. And I can't help think of our wonderful children's pageant just last week, and Eden, who was Mary, asking this very similar question when Gabriel makes the announcement to her. She says, well, God does know I'm not married, doesn't he? Gabriel tells Mary that she will conceive 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. My Jewish neighbor told me she could not believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Maybe some of you have struggled with that. Honestly, I want God, who created everything, to be powerful. I want God to be able to do the things we cannot imagine in our finiteness. I want God to do things I cannot completely understand. The importance of the virgin birth cannot be overemphasized. A right understanding of the incarnation of Jesus hinges on the truth that Jesus was born of a virgin. Both Luke and Matthew make it clear. Mary was a virgin when Jesus was conceived. And I reminded my neighbor that the virgin birth was foretold in a prophecy hundreds of years before his birth. In Isaiah chapter 7, at verse 14, it says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Gabriel also tells Mary that her son will be called the son of the Most High. Now, calling a person a son was a way of signifying equality. With this information, Mary was to understand, as are we, that her son was going to be equal to the Most High God. Mary's often referred to as the first disciple of Jesus, in large part because of her response to this news. She says, here I am. I am a servant girl. Let it happen to me as you have said. Mary is saying, I am ready for God's purpose in my life. Here here I am. Here I am is an act of worship for Mary. It's an act of worship for us as well. Here I am. I wonder, are we ready for God's purpose in our life? Do we actually know when we are living in his purpose for us? There's a whole nother sermon on that. I cannot, I do not have time, but I'd love to talk about this with you over coffee. God's purpose for your life. A good question to ponder in this season as we wait for the Lord is, do I know his purpose for my life? Saying, here I am. Now, Mary's response to this news is to go immediately to her cousin, her cousin, Elizabeth, The angel has just told Mary that Elizabeth is six months pregnant, and Mary has connected the dots. There is something wonderful going on, and Elizabeth, having conceived at such an old age, must be part of it. And now, this is my conjecture. The text doesn't tell us this, 
But I assume Mary went in part to be with Elizabeth because she wanted to be with someone who understood the time they were living in. Someone who understood that the years of waiting for a Messiah had found their fulfillment. For me, and part of this is probably because I'm a woman, so I invite my sisters into this, but my brothers as well. The Annunciation and the Visitation are two of the most extraordinary narratives in the New Testament. And I confess I have often taken them for granted. They're extraordinary because while I believe we still brush against angels, yes, I believe we still brush against angels, we rarely have conversations with them let alone receive this kind of supernatural message from them. In the visitation, we are told that the babe in Elizabeth's womb literally jumped at the sound of Mary's voice, a move of the Holy Spirit. We belong to a supernatural God, friends. Let's let him be supernatural. Let's not try to capture and diminish what he is up to. I can't help but wonder how Mary felt physically. This is such a profound moment in history, and she knows it. I hope you can see that. I know the shading's a little dark, but that's Mary and Elizabeth. How glorious is that? Elizabeth touching Mary's tummy. What if your profound moments with Jesus felt like? How are you aware that Jesus was doing something new? What did it feel like? Was there joy rising up in your inner being? Or did you feel a sense of peace and confidence that God was at work? Or did you get very busy analyzing it and putting it in its proper box? In Luke 1, 39 to 56, and that's the gospel reading for today, we learn that Mary's response is to burst into song. This is an incredibly insightful song, and we may wonder, at least I did, if Mary just made it up on the spot. Could she have possibly have done that? You know, Mary was completely full of the presence of God in her life in that moment. So, yes, yes, I think there probably was some spontaneity to that song. But we also need to remember that Mary was a faithful follower of Yahweh. She attended liturgical worship every Sabbath, just as we do. And she knew the the history of her people, Israel. The Psalms are something she participated in regularly. So it shouldn't surprise us that in this song that she sings, we see quotations and allusions from the Psalms and from the law. We see echoes in particular from Hannah's prayers in 1 Samuel when Hannah prayed for a son. I imagine that the women that followed Yahweh paid close attention to the song sung by the women who came before them. More importantly, 
Mary is singing of the covenant promises of God. She and Elizabeth know the promises, and they have been waiting for a Messiah. They are here celebrating and worshiping together in ways that few of us ever have. And yet, it is this very worship that we are invited into every Sunday, every day, as followers of Christ. You see, we have received this promise of a Messiah, a Savior, and his name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God with us. There is no greater reason to celebrate than to know that God is with us. Mary is a believer and a worshiper. This is to whom the Holy Spirit comes. So while Mary conceived her son Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, we too are pregnant with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in each and every believer Those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts that God raised him from the dead. That's us. That's the litmus test for believers. Can you confess this? Can you profess this? Do you believe this? Do you live this? I wondered, as I prepared this, if this idea of being pregnant with the Holy Spirit might make some of us uncomfortable. But our foundational belief is that the Holy Spirit comes to live in every believer. So I ask you, where is it, is it that you imagine the Holy Spirit lives in you? Very often our response to that is to say, well, in our, my heart, which, which is true, But what do we imagine our heart to be? In scripture, heart is often used to mean soul. What size is your soul? Does it fill your whole body into your fingertips and your toes? It occurred to me as I pondered this that perhaps we all need to think of ourselves as largely pregnant with the Holy Spirit. And then we could not ignore the magnitude and importance of being the temple of God, the place where Jesus lives. We would be more expectant to hear from God, more expectant to be living for God, to live as light, to follow Jesus. So this morning I want to ask you this, what invitation does the Lord have for you this Advent as he asks you to be filled with him? Just like Mary, you have favor with God. Just like Mary, you have favor 
with God. You have an inheritance in a kingdom that has no end. You are the kingdom of God. You take the kingdom with you wherever you go. Second Peter 1 says this, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We have been given everything we need to live a life of godliness, to live a life with Jesus. Now, the knowledge of God that Peter tells us we have reminds me of the wisdom we find in Mary's song. And while our filling of the Holy Spirit will not result in the birth of a Messiah, that's been done. It doesn't need to happen again. The question we need to ask God is this. Lord, what are you birthing in me? Lord, are you inviting me to bear you in a different way? The Lord chooses us, and we are pregnant with who he is. We are called to be light bearers. We are called to be God bearers. We are called to be kingdom bearers, hope bearers. But you know, often our culture makes us think we're supposed to be doing something really big. We're supposed to become a household name. We're supposed to produce X amount of somethings um, to prove our worth and our importance. But I think it's really important as we wonder, what is the Lord birthing in me now? He's already probably birthing much of it in you, has birthed much of it in you. He just continues to birth. And I think it's good to remember that every big thing is a thousand little things. That's how God works in us, little by little, conforming us to the shape he wants us. We have so many beautiful images of that pottery being shaped by the potter, consecrated bit by bit. We all have our own story of seeing the little things God is doing, and then we look back and recognize it's actually significant when you add them all together. So rejoice with the Lord in the small things that he is doing in you and through you, for God is at work in you. Be grateful that we get to take the light to a dark world. Be grateful and mindful that we are kingdom bearers. Now, I don't know, some of you may have been very busy and happy with an Advent devotional, all Advent. Some of you might not have done anything. That's okay, too. But I want to invite you into this this week. I would like you to take Mary's Magnificat from Luke 1 and treat it as a Lectio Divina sometime this week. Maybe several days, but at least one. Sit down with it, read through it, read through it three times. The first time, read through it just to remind yourself what does it say. The second time, read through it and pay attention Invite the Lord 
Is there a word or a phrase that is speaking to you in particular? And the third time, read through it and listen. Does the Lord have an invitation for you in this Magnificat? Maybe take some of these questions I've just asked into this time of listening. What is the Lord inviting you into? It may not be something brand new. He may just be inviting you in a new way that you find peace in it. What is he birthing in you? What does it mean for you to be the light? To be a light bearer, a God bearer, a kingdom bearer. What does that look like for you? Can you say with Mary, here I am, a servant of the Lord. May it be as the Lord has planned. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. We encourage you to take a moment to reflect on what God might be saying to you through what you just heard. For questions, additional information, and resources, please visit adventdenver.com.